0: Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and this is a high-energy show. This season, season three, we're talking all things team, collaboration, and how to take aligned action after the stillness work. Tune in for passionate conversations from trailblazers and innovators, my own personal coaching insights, and honestly, who knows? Because this show is where anything goes. It's unscripted and all for you. Welcome back to the Dare to Move podcast and welcome back to our guest today, Dr. Erin McMorrow. We haven't heard from her since April 22nd, almost a year ago. Uh, In episode 142, we titled that Mother Earth and the Divine Feminine with Dr. Erin McMorrow. And it was such a powerful episode because little did I know how much of an influence the Divine Feminine was going to have on my life throughout 2020. Dr. Erin It's I keep saying that because I love that, that I can call her that uh, because she is such a wise woman. But Erin really was one of my greatest teachers in 2020 from flowing with moon cycles to understanding different pagan holidays to returning to the wisdom, the ancient wisdom of Mother Earth. I had no idea what, even when we sat down in April, uh, what was what was really coming from her wisdom and in my life with the divine feminine, and um, just to quickly review um, a little bit about her and also that episode because this episode is is different, right? We didn't need to tell the same stories and we focus very much on her book, which is out for pre-sale currently and will be. Uh, live in two days so we have a lot to talk about today with her book but just so to catch you guys up to speed if you're a new listener or you did not listen to the first episode um Erin really talked to us about her past work in climate change and agriculture that cultivated her connection to Mother Earth, the Divine Feminine, and the soil. The soil was the big um, metaphor for that episode. Um, it was really interesting to me um, to share Erin's story with how she found herself at that moment in time in 2020, an author with a literary agent uh, with whom she was connected to through Deepak Chopra. Um, she's had a very non-linear career path. Path and it's really inspiring because so much of it as she's going to talk about today too was led through led by her intuition, letting go of societal norms and finding flow and happiness in life. Um, today, as she sits before us or on this episode, she is an author, a growth coach, and an Earth advocate, living in the beautiful hills of Los Angeles. And as her website says, yes, you can call her Doctor McMorrow So very excited to have her on today and. Today we focus on three main things. We focus on besides the Divine Feminine. (laughs) Uh, We focus on the goddess archetypes, Uh, not specifically, but we do talk about goddess energy, goddess wisdom. We talk about sacred sexuality, uh, specifically also, not specifically, but one of the things specifically is the vagina voice connection, which is really, really powerful. Um, Owning our power and radical responsibility and just her deep spiritual connection and and how spirit has guided her through not only her journey as an author, but really her life to have it all be culminating in this moment where everything she is saying and channeling is incredibly helpful and um, really empowering for us the listeners the readers and I am my goal is for all of you to go run and buy her book immediately after or even maybe during this episode um, to read I want to read you something really powerful that um, Marianne Williamson actually said about Erin's book because um, Marianne is a big deal <laughs> I love her work um, but about Erin's book called Grounded, A Fierce Feminine Guide to Connecting with the Soil and Healing from the Ground Up. Marion Williamson said, There was a time in Western civilization when women were the keepers of a sacred trust, humanity's deep connection to the natural world. They held aloft our sense of divine relationship to the earth, the waters, and the sky. With the destruction of pagan culture, the sacred power of such women all but disappeared." What they represented is it reappearing now, not a moment too soon, and Erin McMorrow is a proud and worthy daughter to their ancient legacy. Ageless voices seem to be reaching across years to speak to her, delivering an eternal passion for reconnecting all of us to the divine, to each other, and to the earth on which we live. And if you're not familiar with Marianne Williamson, she is also a New York Times bestselling author amongst many things. So... I am thrilled to have Erin give us kind of a peek uh, into the book today. I read a couple specific um, quotes from the book and she dives deeper on what they mean, the point um, of having them in the story. And what's interesting to me personally as an author is how she did, how some of these, Mental models and different concepts showed up in the book because they weren't—they um, were intuitively downloaded—and I love that she's very candid about how some of these ideas came to her and she didn't know why she just wrote it down and figured that she would, uh, it would make sense later. So if you are someone out there who is really yearning to have a deeper connection to your creative self, if you are someone who is yearning to better understand your own sexuality, this book is for you and this episode is for you. Um, again, we talk a lot about the throat chakra and also the, um, sacral chakra and the power of creativity and how it comes through. So very excited about this episode. So excited for and proud of Erin and all the work that she's doing. This episode goes really deep. It's raw. It's honest. It's real. And I just adore her. So huge thank you to Erin for coming on the show and sharing her wisdom and her time with us. Uh, There are links in the show notes to the vocal coaches that she mentions also a link to buy her book on her website. Uh, you can easily find that in the show notes. And again, run, don't walk to do that because this book is everything. And, um, the quote that I pulled out that we're going to open with today is also in the show notes. So I hope you'll follow her on Instagram. I hope you'll buy her book and really, uh, Find a deeper connection to yourself through that because I know that she's been instrumental in my connection to myself and to nature over the past year and in a time when the world didn't make sense and all these systems are changing and reorganizing and restructuring, she's been a constant uh, voice and teacher in my life to remind me of what's real and what presence is and how to stay grounded in a time that's been very challenging. And I hope uh, that you will feel that essence from her today. So without further ado, I introduce Dr. Erin McMorrow. All right, Dr. Erin McMorrow, welcome to the show. Thank you. So glad to be here. It's been um, a long time coming in my mind because I've known about your book for a long time and really (laughs) been excited for it to come out. So today we get to talk all about it. And I thought it would be really exciting um, to start today with the contemplation you offered in the book Mm -hmm. that really jumped off the page uh, for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to read the contemplation and I would love for you to share with the listeners what what it means to you, how you found it, anything that... Wants to come through. Um, the contemplation is uh, how do we fight for the good without blame?
1: And how do we find peace without spiritually bypassing? Mm. Yeah. So, my journey, thank you for that. Um, my journey in terms of not blaming is like I started out in the field of homelessness as one of my first jobs in Los Angeles. And there's so much injustice, and it's such a dark, you know, g- corner of, of, life to work in. is really hard and really heavy. Um, and it also I found me and a lot of the people working in the field, working in like the field of racial injustice and structural injustice, which is obviously something all of us are talking a lot about now. Um, it was easy to blame, you know, it was easy to get angry. It was easy to um, to lash out because there's just especially in the face of injustice um, to be like, whose fault is this? Who is, you know, is it capitalism? Is it is it patriarchy? Is it whatever? And, you know, I go in depth into my journey around the notion of patriarchy in the book. And even within the time that I was writing it, I grew a lot in my rage what started out as frankly rage like rage against the patriarchy <laughs> Like smash the patriarchy you hear that and then as I evolved I was like this isn't it's not aligned to blame you know it's not aligned to lash out at anybody for any reason it's like everything is a mirror and if something is showing us this injustice or if something is showing us um, a place where we feel angry or rage or um, like something has happened to us or something like that. It's an invitation back into ourselves, really. And so that radical responsibility that I write about is that it's like everything is a mirror, even the things that we find most infuriating, if not especially the things that we find most infuriating. So so really taking a look at that and being like, whoa, what is within me that is feeding these systems that are causing this harm to other people? What is what is the mirror here? And that's when I get into really the idea that I feel like the, the patriarchy, let's say, let's just use patriarchy for an example, is the ego externalized. So we'll talk about the ego, um, I think, shortly, but <laughs> the idea that it's no, like, people are represented like certain groups are sort of mostly held responsible for like being I'm air quoting like being the patriarchy or something like that where it's like all these men or the you know these white men or whatever categories um and that at a bigger level at like a macro level it's actually I believe it's all of our collective ego externalized and so Mm -hmm. this sense of um Mm, looking outside of ourselves for things or the, or private property, owning things, owning people, the way that that has been collectively expressed is showing up as what we call patriarchy now. Like because we have this history of Um, uh, I I think the ego kind of got loose at some point, like maybe 5000 years ago, (laughs) talking (laughs) about patriarchy, and somehow the collective tipped out of balance from being having the ego in check and having a strong spiritual relationship with this natural part of our consciousness, um, to kind of running amok and 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 basically when the ego runs amuck like that collectively what we get is stuff like climate change patriarchy slavery oppression like that's how it manifests and so it's a little bit complex but that's that's sort of where I'm coming from when I talk about radical responsibility and 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 noticing if we find ourselves really raging or in a place of blame to to really take a look at that and see it as a doorway or an invitation into our own work and the work that we're doing in the world as well in um in a constructive way not in a try to smash anybody else kind of way
0: so powerful what is what a strong start um so <laughs> so much is coming up because um you asked me you know offline what did what did that mean to you or why did that jump out to you and when i shared I was like i really love this contemplation and um, you, you know, first and foremost, you have been one of the most influential teachers I've had the luxury of having over the last mm-hmm. year and or more than a year at this point. And, <laughs> um, and it's it's not it, it's the work that you have helped that you facilitate to have facilitated within me was work that has been really meaningful and really deep and really contemplative. And a lot of times I think when people hear self-growth, self-help, doing the work, it's all positivity on maybe on like in Mm -hmm. some areas or for some people or mantras. And to me, Mm -hmm. it's like, that's not looking at the darker sides of ourselves. And thank Mm -hmm. you for even bringing up rage because Mm -hmm. I grew up in a sort of good, be a good girl, you know, community, men, men had rage. That was fine. Mm -hmm. You know, but not, not women Mm -hmm. and men had egos, but not women. If they did, they were hyper masculine. And, you know, if we look at your, um, your book title grounded, a fierce feminine guide to connecting with the soil and healing from the ground up, you have feminine right there. Mm -hmm. And I love with the word fierce because it's powerful and it's meaningful work. And, um, understanding what, and I think, we know, we'll get to it more today, what we can look at within the ego, how challenging it is, um, is really, I think, um, an opening for people to connect with Mm -hmm. themselves. And the other thing I wanted to mention with the last year and how triggering it was for many people, like you said, everything's a mirror. And I remember, um, we probably talked about it in our group, but why Trump was so triggering for people.
1: Mm, Yeah.
0: And, and what was that bringing up within ourselves and it what, can't, should we question that within ourselves? And that was a really mm-hmm. big one, um, for a lot, a lot of people, but I'd love to, to kind of just have you share what has been
1: going on for you in the last year since you were mm-hmm. on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. And so much to reflect on. I mean, when we stop and look at 2020 and what it was, and even the beginning of 2021, it's it's bananas you know like we all have just been through something so huge and we're all still processing and we're still we're still in it frankly um and so you know we started i started my 18 month program with you uh in january of 2020 and so we journeyed for a couple of months there like going into february and we were trying to find our feet cuz an 18 month container is very unusual and so we're trying to figure out quite how is this going to work cuz it's going to be different than any other kind of coaching container like that, that we've been used to. And so, and then March came around and then COVID came around and everything, you know, the world turned on its head, everything changed. Suddenly we realized that we were in this very smooth, long-term container in order to to traverse this ground together, which has been so fascinating and such a gift. And also it's kind of funny because, you know, I've told all of you, the 18 month program was a download. It was a spiritual download. That was, I was like, are you serious? Download? (laughs) I have to make an 18 month program. Like, how am I going to do that? And my coaching friends were like, what are you doing? This is bananas. And I just had to do it. And as the world changed. And as things unfolded, and we kept walking, it started to become clear what the purpose of this thing was, and how perfect of a container it was, and how, of course, spirit knew, you know, and we just, we had to go along with it until we figured out what it was all for. So... A big part of my year has been that it's been guiding that group and linking up with the wheel of the year. So we've linked our calls and everything to the wheel of the year and to the moons. So we move with the moon cycles, we do full and new moons. And it's become, um, there's only one I wasn't able to do a few weeks ago. And I realized how much of a part of me this thing is. I'm so used to it just coming in on the cycle, every new moon and full moon. And and also this container, I could feel it the week we had off was just like, oh, I can actually feel this thing in a way that I couldn't feel it before. So that's fascinating. That's still going on. We're all still walking together and growing and I mean, you're having a baby, like it's all <laughs> it's all very exciting. Um, and then I finished the book during that time, during the first few months of uh, COVID, which is actually really good timing for a writer, you know, mm. if you're going to be shut down and shut in with no FOMO. So that was, that was actually kind of really good timing. And then since then, it's been this evolution. I've been doing a lot of celebrating, actually, even within all the strangeness and all the The heaviness, I mean, certainly, obviously May and June were really, really hard, intense months for the entire country uh, with the protests and everything. And then, um, but after that, like June, July, August, my download was to celebrate. So I was like, let go and start to celebrate this. And I'm realizing now that I feel like I was being guided into dropping into receiving because as the book is coming out and all of this is happening, there's so much flooding in so fast. I mean, this work has been kind of contained within me for seven years and suddenly it's out. Now now it's like out in the world and people are seeing it and reading it and interacting with it and asking me questions. And I'm like, oh, I've been flexing my receiving muscles for about six months to get prepared Mm -hmm. for this. Um, and as you know, with the baby coming, there's a similar, it's a metaphor, right? It's a birth, birth and death happening. And there's grief at letting go of the way things were before and joy and, and everything about what's about to come and excitement and a little bit of fear. So, yeah. Um, just really being with that. That's the space I'm in right now is this wild transformation. I mean, I, it's really hard to expect, except you, you probably are the best person, <laughs> a, a woman actually about to give literal birth. Um, it would probably be the the closest parallel to the kind of birthing thing that this feels like is going on. Thank you
0: for sharing that. And it's been really neat to be in the, it's almost like I've been in the experience of the book itself with you which mm-hmm. is so cool. And yeah. I don't have the agricultural roots that some of the other group members do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up with a garden and a compost pot and all those things, but um, I don't have those ties. But yet it, it mm-hmm. spoke to me on such a level. It's been really cool to it's like a living thing. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it really is. And it's so, it's just really exciting. And I'm I'm really looking forward to covering some of the standout parts um, to me personally um, mm-hmm. that have really touched me over the last year. But one other question just on the last year, because like you said, you, you really followed your intuition throughout like how you mm-hmm. were guiding the program, how you were leading your life and all of that. What do you think has been the biggest, Um, spiritual expansion or deepening of that Mm. connection for you
1: over the last year? Oh, it's been so big. It's all so big. Um, But I have been working, it's in the book, I've been working a lot on voice and voice openings, so throat chakra and sexuality, so sacral, uh, since about 2018 in earnest. And this year has just been even bigger openings and I'm sharing. I share some stuff in the book that I didn't know I was going to share at the very last moment while I was doing those last edits and uh, evolutions were coming. I was in a big plant medicine ceremony as well, right at the beginning of March, right before COVID hit. And it was so it was I mean, we've discussed it within the group, but it was what I call the great mother ceremony. And it was no joke. I mean, I really got um, shown around in a particular way where the energy of that ceremony made it into the book at the very last second. And I think that was really critical. And I talk extensively about the great mother and the great goddess myths and and breaking down those archetypes and looking at, you know, the history a little bit and also that relationship with patriarchy and that kind of like, wh- where did we come from and how did we get here kind of thing. Um, so those things in particular, I've had, I've had a vocal coach, you know, we've done some work around this as well. I've had a really phenomenal like coach guide woman around my throat and my singing. And so that has just brought opening after opening after opening and same with the sexual healing. Like it's definitely been, Quite the journey, and I, on in both cases, I had no idea how much conditioning I had. Again, the being like raised as a good girl thing, and the we don't have rage, and it's amazing how common this is, how like normalized this is. Um, this wonderful sex coach named Kim Anami talks about how the society normalizes dysfunction in so many ways. And so really taking a look at that and being like, why is this assumption here? Why am I behaving this way? Have I ever thought about this? Have I ever looked to like crack this open and see if this is my truth or if it's a truth that was given to me from somewhere external, even if it's just cultural, not even an individual, you know? So those, those I think have been the biggest. And then yeah, that trusting of the intuition. I mean, I do it to a fault now, even this week, I've had big ones where I'm like, seriously, like, this is my direction. <laughs> like This is what I have to do. And it's like trust and surrender, trust and surrender. And it always works. And so I'm just, just carrying on with it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really just nice for me to
0: hear. And I know the listeners too, to have an expander who's living it, breathing it, speaking mm. it, doing really doing it. And, um, I know, you know, you were one of the first people I was able to open up to about images I was receiving, like, what do I do with this? And yeah. like talking to you about tarot and deep diving into astrology and all these ways of what you talk about in your book, like the, the ancient mm-hmm. ways and ways, uh, mm-hmm. ancient wisdom forgotten. And so, um, it's a perfect time to segue into, um, some of those topics. And I kind of want to start with sexuality because you just brought that mm-hmm. up and then yeah. circle that back to the voice. Um, in that parallel, but there was something you said, um, that I, they read in your book that said, um, saying yes to our sexuality and learning how to harness the beauty within us allows the universe to flow through us and express. Yeah. And I would love to, yeah, just pick your brain on, on what that means to you, because I've always thought, look, well, sexuality, you know, keep that in the closet, whatever mm-hmm. it is, but that's private. But, you know, share your artwork, like sing your song. (laughs) It's like, okay. And then you're coming
1: out and saying these are connected. And um, Mm. so I would love for you to share that with the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for that. It's a beautiful question and it's coming up a lot. It's coming up everywhere, just in my life and people's lives around me. It started with just learning about the, the chakra system, first of all, back in, in Bali in 2014 was my first introduction really to this idea of rootedness and groundedness and the root chakra and the idea that this has to do with home, foundation, identity, tribe. and that. And then over time, I've learned that it holds a masculine energy and it roots into the feminine soil. And the next chakra is the second one, which is um, creativity and sexuality, and also money, and all of these things that seem unrelated in Western culture, but on this energetic sense, they're, they're connected and they're also, they hold a feminine energy. So that root system holds the liquidy feminine, right? So like strong root system holds the liquidy feminine. And these are like our lower chakras. So there it's some, it's a part of Western culture that we're particularly bad at. We're particularly disconnected from our lower three for a whole host of cultural reasons and historical reasons. And, um, so when we start to connect back into that root and back into that sacral we start to move this energy i mean that's the the kundalini sacred holy serpent energy that runs through our systems in this in the tantric in the tantric system and i realized at some point i was like oh i stumbled upon the tantric path like i didn't <laughs> i i didn't say like hey i'm going to go you know to india or go Um, to a university and become an expert in this thing, I just like followed my body and followed my journey and followed my guides and followed plant medicine and the the teachers that I've had and through yoga and things like that as well and, and taking an energetic approach to yoga as well that I learned that this like Kundalini ser- serpent system is the central axis um, throughout our bodies. And it's the central part of this energetic map that can guide us. And these, the chakras are like um, archetypes. So the, the root, for example, has all these meanings, right? And then the sacral has all of these meanings and it's held in, near our uh, like general genital area. And so Anyway, once I started to learn about all of this, I then I started practicing in all of these different ways. I was working on creativity, and this then shows up in my coaching because I end up helping people weave this together. They're like, because they've got this over here and this over here, and that's how we're taught. But um, I started with like the artist's way years ago and writing and creative writing. And that was really helpful, obviously, writing the book and and moving that creative energy. And then when I got into this really interesting sexual opening ceremony thing, there's a scene in the book that's very specific about it, um, where things really started to open up because I was like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I was scared of this. I didn't realize I'd never thought about this. I didn't realize I just assumed this this thing wasn't for me. And. That was totally conditioned and that unpacking was a lot of um, sort of work and opening and at the same time I felt it feed my relationship to creativity and to money, all of those things going together. So it's really interesting when we go in and start to work with these archetypes, we can then look at our lives and be like, okay, usually when there's um, a creative block, there's there's some parallel in sexuality or in money or something like that. And, and also that relationship between that rootedness, that groundedness, and the next one up, like bringing that sort of up and back. There's also a karmic conversation around that where we apparently we clear karma that way by moving up and down but between the first two chakras. And then this is endless. Like I am kind of a beginner in a lot of ways. The amount of things I could learn about Tantra, the Tantric path now still, there are so many, but also it links into the breath. And then when it links into voice, so we're talking about that's our conscious creativity so that's like we're creating we're manifesting with our voice that's our truth and our communication and the sacral is the unconscious creativity so it's like creating like reproductive in that sense and then ultimately it's like this life force is the creative life force of the universe so that's where it wraps all the way back around to nature and this conversation of nature where you realize that nature never stops moving, never stops creating, is always endlessly creative. And it's very sexual. Like the (laughs) the nature of reproduction of all the plants and all the animals is sexual. And so our sexual energy is critical for us to be connected to if we desire to be moving fully and expressing fully uh, with whatever it is that wants to come through us. And that's also projects that come through like a book, you know, or something specific, works with that energy so that's it's running along that line so as we're cultivating these things together it allows something that like you said has its own entity it has its own energy every creative project has its own i think soul or some kind of i don't there's not an exact word for it but it has its own um desire to be in the world in a way and that's what in creative work i'm following that flow i'm not i'm not making something new i'm helping the thing come through from spirit is how I see it
0: mm. yeah yeah the Amount of shame that I think mm. comes from you kind of hinted at this earlier. We're like, I didn't even know I didn't think about that, or I didn't even mm. know that I hadn't explored that. Like, it, you know, I had a similar experience with one of my clients exploring their sexuality and asking, you know, have, allowing me to hold space for them. Mm-hmm. And I, it dawned on me that I had never even asked myself those questions. And yeah. then I, I did feel like shame around even the exploration of those questions. Mm-hmm. And that to me is a huge block. It, it's like an energetic yeah. block. I could feel the heaviness of that shame coming through. And so mm-hmm. many of us live our lives with that unprocessed. And we wonder mm-hmm. why we can't, you know, <laughs> do something, <laughs> say something. Um, and so I'd love to know a little bit more about, uh, maybe any specifics on what sort of helped you foster that connection because sex is, um, always a hot topic for people like sex, but they look at it. Um, I know I did an episode with someone earlier or later in 2020 and it was sort of like the parallel is she was a great dance teacher, right? She could teach Mm -hmm. us how to dance and that is so important, but it's also masculine. It's the, how it's the, Mm -hmm. how do we time hack our way into creativity? And what I think you are an incredible teacher of is how do we find this within ourselves first? Because to your point, Mm -hmm. the spirit, the soul, whatever the thing is that you're creating, it kind of comes through you. And, Mm -hmm. um, that takes a whole level of self-connection
1: that is, I can't like be hacked. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, my journey as I write in the book is, is, it was guided, right? So it was guided by intuition. And then I was guided to a guide. I was guided into a ceremony. I was invited into a, I'm going to air quotes, a challenge that was like, um, I still think is a hilarious scene in the book, but the specifics of that particular sexual challenge was um, threesome orgy or dominatrix. Right. And, and it was like, kind of in a joking way, like you have 24 hours to decide, you know, and I sat there and I wept on the floor like I these are things I find exciting now these are things like by now I've worked through a lot of this stuff but at the time I I just like I had never questioned being air quotes being straight you know never I just walked around I didn't think it through I don't know it's like it just was kind of in there and I was like wait a second I I am curious I do have I have some curiosity like I don't know for sure but like yeah I've been curious about women but probably I was just too scared to even really let myself think about it because that's how much shame there is in our society about yeah. something that could be really natural. <laughs> you know, Now that I'm here, I'm like, wow, just in, even the, you were, you use the word closets, which is fascinating. Cause I was just reflecting on it yesterday. I was like, why do we live in a society that has closets that people have to hide in metaphorical closets that people have to hide in. And also to the point of being threatened with violence, you know, that's how intense this is. And it's like, what, What are we doing? Why is it that way? Like, where did that come from? And we loop back around to the patriarchy story, right, and all the way back to our origin stories. And if that sexual creative energy is our life force energy and we need to be connected to it to be connected to spirit and our own creativity and our own sexual expression and our curiosity about sexuality, then that would be a good place for a force that wanted to repress that to cut people off, right? Mm -hmm. Which is similar to the throat. So we talk about like the witch wound in the book as well. And it's like, we have intergenerational, somatic, energetic wounds collectively around our throats, almost all of us um, around our truth, around sharing our truth. Even when I was trying to talk about patriarchy at the first point, um, I explained how I felt this, like an invisible hand around my throat is what it felt like. And then I shared that with women in circle and they were like, I feel that too. And one of them was like, I'm trying to finish my novel and this hand throat thing came along you know we're like oh my god and so there are very real there's very real history there's very real um, physical energetic history the way women have been treated for the last five thousand years collectively and the and the power of the divine feminine metaphor and women and mothers and motherhood and childbirth the separation between motherhood and childbirth and sexuality like that's a direct connection. <laughs> like, I there know. is no more direct connection than that. And it's like, no, like we've split it off. But the Madonna whore thing, right? It's like, um, it's like either you're this sexual being and you're younger and you're the maiden, or you're you just give that all up when you become the mother and you like give away all your sexuality and your entire archetype changes. It's like that's damage to the mother. Like the mother, and I think we talked about this in the last podcast. But the mother metaphor is like the soil. Is like you part the soil. You put the seed, plant the seed, cover soil, seed gestates, life gestates, and then new life is born. Like the mother metaphor is the soil; it's that's the land, that's the earth. That's why she's called Mother Earth, and that's why there's been a mother goddess in every origin story and for indigenous peoples all over the world. And so we're sitting here without that origin story, without that realization. I, I call it a blind. I call it the biggest blind spot in Western civilization, <laughs> oh. because it's like why else would we be careening over the edge of existence potentially with climate change and why would we be um mining the way we do and fracking the way we do like that those are all rape metaphors and we have um i talk about zeus and like the rewriting of the goddess mythology we have we have a rape um myth at the base of Western civilization. And so it all links together, right? I mean, it's, it's collective in that sense and it's historical and it's physical. And then the way it manifests in our lives is that we go about our lives conditioned and not questioning these things unless something crazy comes along. So, so in my, for me, it was like, I followed spirit into these really weird places where I was just like, these are, once again, these are my spiritual directions. Like, This sexual thing? Like what? And when sacred sexuality, I I channeled the workbook that is the base of the group and all these other things years ago in 2018. And I was like, what is sacred sexuality doing in here? Like, I didn't know why it was there. It was there. It made its way in. I was like, that's interesting. Like, I feel like I'm talking about this thing over here. And then it actually brought my physical experience guided into plant medicine ceremony. And then and then that challenge was like, oh, I'm realizing like, yeah, there's something going on with my masculine and like initiating during sex. Like, kind of I've always been pursued, you know, there's a thing where it's like, oh, if I'm a good girl, I don't have rage. It's these same sort of things that become really obvious once you start working with them and you're like, oh my God, this is a big, it's heavy. You can feel it once you become aware of it. It's like, oh man, there's a boulder here. Like I have so much fear and so much shame. I don't know where it came from. I didn't put it there, but anyway, that's how you sort of start to move that that boulder or those ro- I call it. they they feel like boulders and rocks to me and so yeah, start to push them down the hill and see what's there. Wow. I feel like people may
0: need to just like rewind three or four minutes and (laughs) do that again because I am like, I'm just sitting with it. It's so powerful. And even just throwing it back to that energetic throat hold. I mean, one of the Mm -hmm. deepest sessions I can remember doing with you was just going into that part of my body and seeing what came through. And some of the downloads and things I was receiving were just so helpful and so important Mm. and and so meaningful. Um, but it's a place that when there, I felt that intensity and I can think back to times when I wanted to speak up in class as a little girl Mm. and I felt it. And, yeah. um, or when we're trying to speak our truth in a relationship or in a challenging parent relationship, you feel that choked up way. And it's, um, it's really, um, it's really, I I guess I'm stumbling over my words, but like blocking, like it's, mm-hmm. and it's frustrating and it's hurtful and it's sad. And there's all these emotions that need to come through. And, um, and that, that mimics some of the ways that we feel when we're quote unquote in the closet
1: right. about
0: our shame and, and all of that. And I can relate to everything you were saying. And the one thing that I would love to just, um, ask you, it's something you taught me about the, um, as you were learning last year, the, um, vagina vocal connection mm-hmm. and, I brought that up with a couple of my clients who were working on speaking their truth. They're coming out with maybe a new business offering or something and feeling really nervous about it. And, um, when people hear that, they're like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. And I was trying to, I always run things by Jeff, my fiance, because I, he's, you know, he's, he's open to everything, but he's usually not aware of what I'm learning. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. was like, (laughs) <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Got it. But like <laughs> he was still I think he's still processing it. Um, uh, yeah. but I would love just to hear from you like what that learning was.
1: Yeah, I thank you. I had two coaches, two friends that guided me there. One was working specifically on um, sexuality and opening as well, along with plant medicine and sound and singing. So it was voice and sexuality. And then when I came around to having another voice teacher, so she was a friend of mine in a group that I was in actually, and when I got to my voice teacher, she said the same thing. So I had two people in a row teaching me this thing, and I also started to just go down like Instagram rabbit holes, or I, you know, I'd like find somebody that was interesting or kind of on the same path. And there's actually this image I can I can post it or send it to you of the pelvic floor and the vocal cords, and they're very 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 similar, like just even physically, it's like um, an anatomical you know drawing. And then energetically, this is a really weird example. I didn't think I was gonna say this here, but at one point years and years and years ago, there's like a homeo, I don't know, it's homeopathic, like a a home treatment for I think it was yeast infection or something like that is garlic. So you can insert garlic into the vagina, apparently. So Mm -hmm. I tried it and I could taste or smell the garlic in my throat. It was as if it were in my mouth. It was the strangest thing. And I was like, this is again years and years long before I had ever stumbled into this, but what helped what it what it helped me see was that the interconnectedness of the body system as well. It's like, whoa, we sort of yeah. think of things separately. It's like, oh no, that's just that's right there. Um and also the sense of vibration. So what I learned from these coaches is that there's the vagus nerve connects all the way back down our spine. And apparently they're starting to learn it has deeper connections, I think, into the vagina than they thought originally. A lot of this is very recent. And so it's still kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, like I just found recent um, stuff about the vagina brain connection. So this is all the way that like gut health has taken its time to get, mm. you know, better more robust. It's like, oh, now we have thought this was this way, but actually these things are connected in a way. The gut brain axis, right? It's very similar and everything is connected, of course. And so I learned that if I could just hum, like humming is one of uh, humming with our own voice, no matter how like air quotes good your voice is, it has nothing to do with um, actually even judging our voices at all is a kind of violence to our throat chakra is something that I've learned as well like every sound is sacred. Every sound is holy. The idea that we separate them out into good and bad, uh, doesn't help us out at all. So humming of any kind will calm our entire like, vagus nerve and nervous system. So you can self-soothe at any point with your own voice. Mm-hmm. And apparently like the number one, most healing vibration is the throat, the smite, my, uh, voice teacher taught me is singing it's human singing and the next one is like tibetan sound bowls like they have a very complex sort of vibration and they have a a different kind like overtones that affect us in ways that are spiritual and practical you know the vibration conversation is like it's all of those things it's physical you can feel it. you play music you you're dealing with actual literal vibrations and pitches and things um and then and then we realize we can feel this in our body it can calm us We're like there's a direct direct connection between all of these things
0: wow yeah. it's uh the the sound part of it has been really interesting for me as well just because when i i mean i talk all the time as you do with coaching and mm. podcasts and um when i turn on any sort of sound healing i feel this like like as if my throat just ran a marathon mm-hmm. <laughs> like it needed, it's like it's getting its tune up, but sometimes when you take a rest day or you finally lay down, you that's when you realize how tired you are. And that's sort mm-hmm. of the effect that my throat has. So it's been really interesting to learn from you um, on that chakra system specifically and connect it to sexuality because yeah. um to your point earlier about this separation of motherhood and mm. like motherhood and sex, it's like you know, you, in my kind of upbringing, it's like, don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And then if you follow all the steps and you get the ring and you have the wedding and all that stuff. Now it's like, Oh my God, you're a mom. That's so great. Or you're pregnant, but you know, mm -hmm. shame, shame, shame. If you're having sex before that. And, um, I have had realizations just even while pregnant about my own sexuality and the connection I have with my partner and, I'm like, it's just really awkward right now because I'm so big. And so I can't can't wait to like work on this connection. And I know your book will be, Mm -hmm. um, such a good guide for me and for other people looking to work on that area. Um, Mm -hmm. but the one, um, the other thing that you've touched on a couple of times that I just want to focus on for a minute is the idea of the goddess. Um, one of the quotes Mm -hmm. in the book you've also shared on Instagram said the goddess herself has nothing to prove. And Mm -hmm. And the tiny bit that I've learned from you, from Alexandra, um, is about like the essence and the different. Um, I w- I don't want to say powers but the powers of these goddesses, like what they stand for, they Mm. don't have to do anything. Like it made, it like really landed for me, but it's because they're so in tune with their essence and their being. And so I'd love for you to talk about how that it's like, people know you from kiss the ground or from Mm. climate worker, all, all the things you've done that I don't know if they would naturally connect goddess to that. So how did, how did goddess work come in?
1: Well, I let's see. There are pieces here. Um, one was that on the towards the end, before I got to the goddess, or long after I got to the goddess, I found myself trying to defend her while I was writing, and I was like, "Huh." I was like trying to make academic arguments about her when she was written. The different goddesses, like pr- I, it was, the voice was like, "Prove it, prove it, prove it." In this way, and then the spiritual download I was getting was like she has nothing to prove like it's mm-hmm. like all you have to do is evoke their names you know and their original essences come through it's it's really wild and it's incredibly powerful because they have been there honored for all of human history right there's this weird blip of like this patriarchal rewrite of whatever happened. um and that's actually where I ran into it because I was looking at so Tying in private property came up. Oh, I was just looking at this whole patriarchy thing and I was talking to my friend, and I was like, actually the scene in the book is I pull over to the side of the road because I was trying to, I was like, what? There's something at the base of the patriarchy conversation that I, that is missing. I don't get it. There's something missing. And she was like, um, so mention something about private property and then something about goddess history. And I was like, I clearly did not study goddess history in my, like now there's a whole world of goddesses. There's all of the goddess books and the things, and I'm totally in this world now. But at the time I had never even heard of it. And those two things together though, I was like private property. When I worked in homelessness, it was like, and I studied, I studied the human right to housing at the base of that problem. I would always run into private property. And it's the notion that we can own the land and that we can own people and things. And I actually, at the end of the day, don't believe that's true. So it's very problematic for capitalism, (laughs) you know, it's like kind of a big problem, but it's also the base of where we got things like slavery, you know, it's like, oh, you think you can own people? Like somewhere the ego got out of control and like a lot, once, once that mind tip happens and it's like, oh, we can own people, places and things and we get colonization, you know, and that's the actual conversation that we're having now is like how did this happen and why did that happen and why are we here and I think taking a much longer more ancient view than just the last two or five thousand years I think in western civilization we look at two thousand years pretty much and like our calendar is there it's like it's two thousand years and it's like wait I've you know I've traveled and seen some of the places like these enormous things that were built that are still standing that are 5,000 years old already. Like these civilizations were old and long, long standing. And if you look at ancient indigenous wisdom, again, all over the world, they're all saying the same thing. And it's all the goddess, the earth mother goddess, because if you imagine being here without all of this, like erase Western civilization for a second, you're here with the stars and the earth and you're moving with the cycles of the earth and all of the stories and the metaphors, move with the cycles of the earth and the moon and the menstrual cycle, these things all really obviously go together and they're all perfect metaphors for each other. That's how people were honoring the earth for all of time. <laughs> so, mm. And it makes a lot of sense. And now that we're even in the program linked to the moon and linked to the cycles of the earth, like I feel more aligned. I feel personally better to not be linked up to the Western calendar. Cause I think the Western calendar, I know the Western calendar has some really interesting unpleasant historical things as well that are tied in there to like how we tell these stories, how we tell time, how do we honor the goddess or not. And so, yeah, I started digging into basically that, that like goddess history and I, and I, in the weirdest places, like through astrology, right? A lot of it is in astrology because the some of the asteroids and things are Lilith. still still have the names. Yeah, exactly. Lilith is there and Eris is there and because they're named after them and they've been there forever. And so you can go back to the original. And I think it was Channy Nichol- Nicholas's um goddess history. I did one of her workshops and it was that's where I found out about the Zeus, Zeus um rape story and And I was like, Hera was a triple moon goddess of her own, unto her own, you know, that was the Earth Mother, we honored the Earth Mother, it makes complete sense. We didn't like write in another character to come rape everybody like what, (laughs) what is that. And so Yeah. Then we started writing some much more unpleasant stories and we started creating that in our world and we started living it out and we started believing in private property in a way that does not align with nature. And so we've created systems that are out of alignment with nature. And that's, I think what we're grappling with right now, you know, it's not an easy, it's no small task
0: (laughs) what we're doing right now.
1: No, but But, that's um, why
0: your book is so powerful because it comes at it from all (laughs) these angles.
1: (laughs) There's thank so, you so it, many it was a very winding journey and that now it's like the book is cool because it does combine all these different things that showed up at all these different parts of my life through downloads through direction through guidance through the weirdest to me you know my experiences were like how did I get here and what's going on now Like, <laughs> why <laughs> is this this way <laughs> but now it's all there
0: what do you feel like has been the because you've kind of shared already like The different ways, like sacred sexuality, what does that mean? How am I going to tie this in? It just sort of came through. Mm -hmm. Same thing with like goddess um, component here. What is it? Was there any part of the book that was the easiest for you to
1: focus on? uh, Mm -hmm. Or that came through first, maybe? Yeah, well, I started in climate change, right? So I thought I was writing this book about soil health and climate change. Oh, hang on. Sorry, <laughs> having a tech thing. Um, soil health and climate change. And I was like, I'm going to write a scientific thing about this. I'm going to like do this. I'm, you know, have a PhD. I'm going to do this thing. And then it just took me down the rabbit hole, basically. And then also the uh, divine feminine opening that occurred in Bali when I was um, doing yoga teacher training, basically just as self-care. I was there to take care of myself because I was having a minor <laughs> breakdown, basically, and everything, one of these like spiritual breakdowns where everything falls apart and nothing makes any sense. And that's when I really started to see the connections between things. Um, but that that was much harder to write, I want to say. it all. That came first, but... The very last bit during COVID, like the very last, the final edits and those last parts about sexuality and the last things that I added and the um, the coming out of the ceremony, the great mother ceremony, where things just clicked in. It was like things that I had written about already, words that I had already used, but I, I experienced things in my body mm-hmm. and I saw and felt things that became true to me, like experientially for the first time. And that kind of sealed that final bit. So that last bit actually came out pretty fast. Um, And I'm glad because that's also the most accurate to who I am now and where I am in my journey. Like, it's a funny thing with books. You know, if you write a piece in 2015, (laughs) it's not your voice anymore. Like you're a totally different person than you were before. So that was interesting interacting with different parts of myself over all of these years and all of these layers of unfolding, and then sharing how it all came together. Um, but now it feels coherent. Like now it's like, oh, I understand what was going on. At the time, it was like a wild, kind of a wild goose chase, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's so helpful for
0: people to hear myself included, because mm. in, um, you know, the society we've been living in, it's like, speed to market, get it out, grind, right. hustle, push, uh, And it doesn't feel good and it's exhausting. And um, so I think it's really nice to have you share just how beautifully it's all come together after such a long journey. And I can imagine it's really surreal to have people holding it and like reading it. You've done the pre-sale, So it Mm -hmm. launches officially March
1: 9th. Yeah. Okay. So
0: this is, it'll be in two days. So they're Mm -hmm. hearing this on the 7th. So -hmm. so they can pre-order it or wait till the ninth. And, um, what has that been like to get feedback? What kind of feedback are you receiving?
1: It's wild. It is really bizarre. Frankly, it's like, it's unlike a once in a lifetime experience, you know? Um, it's, I would, I would call it trippy, honestly. Like it's just weird to, I bet it's like having a baby, you know, you're like, oh my God, there's this physical thing <laughs> yeah, like outside of my body. Now it's like, it's real, it's 3d it's in the world. It's not this like idea of a thing. So it's something like that. It definitely feels, I was just reflecting yesterday. It feels like I'm birthing and getting birthed at the same time. Like I've had the sensation of going down like a water slide, you know, I'm like oh, like down the birth canal, but also that I am like kind of pushing or I am having contractions. I'm moving through this transformation process and I'm birthing and dying at the same time. And my new life is being birthed and my life. The life before this point is dying. Mm. It's wild. I'm also moving at the exact same time, which is like such a weird, it's like I'm getting birthed out of my home, literally. And I wrote the whole thing here. It's like exact. I came up here to finish it. I know. And then it's time to move like right at the exact same time. So nothing is going to be the same. You know, it's just so wild. And Ah. I've had really beautiful, I've done a few podcasts already of people who've been able to to look at the book early. Um, And it's been it's surreal, it's been wonderful, the feedback, just people loving it, people interacting with it, people being challenged by parts of it, you know, um, being thanked for it is really interesting. Uh, also, when part of the journey for so long was just like, nobody was thanking me, you know? <laughs> it was like scraping along, being like, okay, just trying to explain it to people or trying to, there was a lot of like, so what's your plan B, you know? And like all kinds of, you know, all kinds of stuff along the way which a lot of that's written into the story as well is that evolution of like, okay, how do we start from, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have this download. I have to follow it to like learning how to follow those intuitive steps to trusting the process. Um, I had a few really good teachers. Um, Linda, I think it's Seaver is how you say her name, um, taught me very, very early. I was in one of her book clubs to uh, just to trust the process, trust the delays, like every delay in a process like this is perfect always. Cause I was pushing, I thought I was gonna be done in a year or two years for sure. And I like did a crowdfunding campaign and I was like, I'm almost there. And that was just like one of the earliest versions of the manuscript years and years and years later. But it's also like, it's being birthed after 2020. And some of it was written in 2020. There's no way I could have, no way seven years ago, I'd been like, okay, this is when my this is what's gonna happen. And this is when my book is gonna come out. And this is how, it's all going to fit together. But now I'm like, I feel like the reception can be even easier because our lives are so different, you
0: know? Yeah. Every step of the pandemic really. And every time we came together in the group, there was something so relevant that we were all experiencing that completely aligned with your work or the theme Mm. of what you had channeled for this book. It it was, Mm. it was, yeah. Magical. Uh, and so i <laughs> I can totally see that level of reception because a lot has been unmasked and unveiled about the problems we're facing as a society. And um I love that, um, going back to a radical responsibility, we have that power within and ability to take responsibility for these issues and not just feel like, well, who am I? or right. I'm the victim and all of those things. So I just feel like it's an it's such an empowering. Um, piece of work, artwork really to me <laughs> that you've created. You. And I'm excited for everyone to um, get their hands on it. So I guess the final question is um, how are you taking care of yourself? I mean, oh, you're moving, so maybe moving mm-hmm. aside, but what are you focusing on now? Because I remember like you, I can remember that point when I published as well, where you're just like, now what? Um mm. from a sake of the sake of like, I just it's like gestating, you know, and then all yeah. of a sudden it's outside of you and you're not carrying it anymore. Right. Um, so how yeah, how
1: are you handling
0: yeah. that? And yeah. what are you excited
1: about? It- <laughs> it's fun when other people are excited for me and help buoy that, you know, cause there definitely, there's some, I don't really, I don't feel a lot of fear, but there's a kind of like anticipation or like, I don't know, like what's going to happen. How different is my life going to be once I move and all this stuff happens at the same time? Um, it, like I said, it's already surreal to have it just be a physical thing and to hold it and to have other people hold it. I think I'm right now I'm focused on kind of just, I'm just doing what is the next most intelligent thing? Like what is the next uh, most aligned thing I can do? Cause it, cause it's a lot, it's a lot of energy moving at one time. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend these three days doing this move this way. I'm going to focus you know, I'm going to clear the schedule around this so I can, So that I can take care of myself too. Like, there's definitely a piece that is like, I'm the yin, you know, um, spacious, divine feminine woman, I can't be running around like burning out having like adrenal burnout because I am doing too much or not balancing things out and um, the, and there's a wild thing where it's there's grief and joy. So it's celebration and letting go at the exact same time, which is wild. I definitely have walked around crying a lot, just, just crying, <laughs> just like <laughs> letting it move, um, just out of kind of awe, you know, and transition and transformation. A friend of mine just sent me a text that said, surrender, 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 because I was freaking out a little mm. bit. And because my schedule is really kicking up now in a way where I actually had a pretty spacious 2020 in many ways. I mean, a lot of us did, things slowed down. And to be moving at this speed now is, is really intense. Um, and once I get to the other side, It's interesting. I'm shifting gears to outward. Right. So it's I'm talking, I'm podcasting, I'm I'm being interviewed. So and and being on on camera, doing Zoom events and things like that. Funny, I won't be able to do actual physical events. So that's a wild kind of weird thing to release a book in the middle of a pandemic when you can't have a, a book launch party. Exactly. And it just feels really natural that way somehow. And like, it's going to, I'm going to have a Zoom party, I think. And ah. like, yeah, do something and to mark uh, the celebration. When I had my last big birthday, I did a Zoom party and it was really, it was really worth it. It was really fun. And then it's really just like wide open. It's like, it's like you're getting on an airplane and flying to a country you've never been to before. And you're like, I have no idea. I'm just going to have to see what it's like when I get there. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of just giving it a few like a two weeks to a month of having a schedule of a kind of know what to expect, kind of, and then blank, like no idea what's <laughs> what uh, comes on the other side. That is
0: so exciting. I um I think that's the best way. I mean, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that we couldn't yeah. <laughs> we definitely couldn't plan to um be anywhere, really. So right. I love that metaphor, especially for people who are still sort of um in more stricter versions of lockdown than others are unable to travel and so Mm -hmm. on. So that's really helpful. And, um, because of your crazy schedule, I know like Mm -hmm. you are probably not available as maybe you were before for coaching and things Mm -hmm. like that, but what is the best way uh, for people to reach you, connect with you, find the book, all the things
1: I'll put it in the show notes, but just so that people can hear that. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, the fastest way to find the book in pre-order is com, And so everything's there. And then also you can find all my social media there. So my, I'm mostly on Instagram and it's dr.erinmcmorrow, but that also, you can find that through my website and it's pretty easy. You can just search my name. You can find me. So okay. <laughs> amazing. amazing. Congratulations. Yay. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. What Welcome. a joy.